Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett, reacting to, you know, we're a few days removed now from another Manchester United win. But this time, it was a little bit, bit of a different theme to it. Uh, win over West Ham on Sunday in the Premier League, a 1-0 win, Marcus Rashford with his 100th Manchester United goal. Rob, you, you were there? I was. How, how did it go down? Yeah, strange game uh, in terms of maybe the vibe in the stadium. I think it, it really did flow backwards and forwards. But you got the victory. And again, this is the kind of game that we've seen a hundred times with Man United over the recent years where you don't take the points. You walk out of that stadium with your head down and you're thinking, we should have won that game, but we didn't because... This player made a mistake, which meant this player made a mistake, and then this player made a mistake, and then you lost 2-1. So West Ham had plenty of chances. David De Gea was vintage David De Gea, wasn't he? You know, rolling back the years, making these world-class saves to keep you in the match. Uh, but overall, a victory, and I think that's all you can ask for. Yeah, you can, we'll talk about that in a little bit more depth in a second, but you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple, Google, Spotify, the likes and you can watch this on youtube as well twice a week on tuesdays and fridays so head over to the channel like subscribe join the community leave a comment for us as well and follow us on twitter at underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore b and at promise and mu for the show as well let's dig back into that west ham win rob because obviously united played they played okay and then they scored i think it, it was quite a it's quite an even game but i think they of the second half, West Ham were pretty much in control. It was a, it was a bit of a rearguard action from United, wasn't it? They, I don't think they kept the ball well enough uh, in the second half. They probably could have exploited the spaces West Ham were giving them in the second half a lot better than they did. And Eric Ten Hag said that as well after the game. Uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of a nice... It, United did not play well at all. But as you said, Rob, they still won. And it was important to show the steel and the resolve and the... The, the way that they celebrated the win, I know it was only a 1-0 win over West Ham. You can see that it means something to the players again. Look, when you win a game with a messy victory and a messy performance, or you play fantastic football, win 5-0, still only get three points. Just what it is. So we would love to see Man United scoring more goals. And of course, that would have put this game to bed. When you look at the stats, United actually did have more shots than West Ham. Yeah, at the end of the game, because of the way that the last, that was well, certainly the second half went, it felt the opposite, didn't it? It felt like United were just completely on the back foot. But like you said, I think United had a chance to bury the match. Ronaldo had plenty of chances in the game, three or four real guilt-ed chances. Fred hit the post when he came on. So United could have won this game 2-3-4-1 easily. You know, they got a clean sheet. Uh, and I said that was obviously on De Gea. But it's good to see that United are starting to be able to chug away and put together these performances based around energy and based around just mattering, just that they want to win, don't they? Because I think that this is still, it's the intangible that you can't measure. Yeah, it's the one stat you can't measure is that how much does a player really want it? Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, they're celebrating at the final whistle. You know, they were on David De Gea in the same way that I remember that the team jumped on Edwin van der Sar in Moscow when we won the Champions League final. I remember that right in front of me. And, and it felt like that moment, but this was only West Ham at home. 
But I think it shows how much it matters to these players. And that's something we've demanded for a long time. We want to see our players care and we want to see unity on the football pitch. I think we're just starting to see those initial seeds starting to bloom. Yeah, starting to rub off. Uh, Harry Maguire started the game, which I think he had a bit of a wobble in the first half. But given... We know he's a good defender. When, when the backs are against the wall, you, you know that he's good in the air. And we saw a lot of pluses. Maybe Harry Maguire took a little bit of confidence from that. But I did want to... We mentioned David De Gea already. made some amazing saves. Maybe we'll talk about him in a second. But Diogo Dallo is the one at the moment getting a lot of love for... I think there were four or five back post flick on headers that he mm, yeah. <laughs> that he managed uh, to get himself onto, which stopped West Ham from scoring. Essentially, uh, he just looks. If, if there's one player, I think that's really taken. Well, Eric Ten Hag has taken from one level to another. Probably him. Maybe you could put Rashford in that as well. But Dallow, I think, is a bit of a surprise to some people. Yeah, look, I think this is why I always say about players when, when they're out of form or when you're not seeing the things that you want to see from them, that you've got to give it a little bit of time. Can you teach a player to do certain things? Can you actually get a fullback and say, do you know what? When that ball comes over from the opposite side and goes up there, you position yourself here because then you can get a flick on there, you can block a run there and you can help your centre-backs. And we know that Man United have been weak at that for years. You know, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is not very good at it. And we know Delow was an absolute disaster at it last season and beyond. Just not a very defensive player. But like you're saying there, and it's kind of ironic, I think the best part of his game at the moment is his defensive side of his work. You know, he really is kind of covering that back post, especially with Varane out the team. You need that right centre back, uh, right uh, fullback to tuck in and to be able to help. And West Ham kind of played a four four two at times, and they were swinging that ball in the box because they were trying to exploit that. Yeah, David Moyes looks at that and thinks I can exploit Delo on the day. Delo wins that battle. And he said it wasn't just once or twice; it was like come on, like three or four times where he gets his head on the ball, and they were good strong headers as well. It wasn't a kind of like oh, do I or don't I? It was right. This is my job. I'm going to look after the ball here. I'm going to make sure they don't score. And it certainly contributed to the victory. Just thinking about it now, the amount of times I saw United concede that goal last season and the season before, it was it was a problem under Solskjaer. It was a problem under Ranić as well. Mm-hmm. Teams would just stack the back posts with two or three players yeah. and loft it quite long. And then they'd have <laughs> this massive overlap where there'd be no United defenders. So it seems like they've touched wood, <laughs> that they've managed to fix that for now hopefully and and, and you know as well it's not about whether you're good at heading the ball or not it's not about that is it it's more about awareness and about knowing what your job is in that moment I think that's the difference with Delo is that both him and Wan-Bissaka would get always caught under the ball so come too narrow towards the penalty spot and the ball would go over the heads and we'd be standing we'd be in the stands watching it and it would be the same old same old player arriving at the back post and you'd be like this is going in the net it goes in the net and you're like, huff. But it does look like this manager has got some tactics and he's forcing them into his players. So that was the most pleasing thing, I think, as far as Delo goes, is that he's developing as an all-round defender. I'd like to see more production now on the front foot. You know, we've always said that he's a good attacking fullback. Well, let's see some more of that. So that means getting up and down the pitch. On the flip side, on the left-hand side, 
you know, Luke Shaw is back, you know. Honestly, it's, honestly, he, he you know, really is. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, a, you know, the rebirth of Luke Shaw. Here he goes. I'm back again. I'm the in the fifth team. Re- fifth or sixth rebirth. I said that. As I said that, it's like, it's, I, I called it the second coming. And then I said, well, maybe it's the third or the fourth. I don't <laughs> know. I think it's the fourth, actually, with Luke Shaw. But it just shows that I think if he's got a manager that gives him direction and gives him the tools to do the job, both tactically and around with his team, He's very much a barometer of that team. I think when the team's starting to play well, Luke Shaw looks classy. And when the team plays badly, Luke Shaw starts to look a little bit brittle. So I, I think that the fullbacks, you know, I think in modern football, fullback is probably the most important position. You've seen this now because they don't just get up and down, but they come inwards now and be part of the midfield. And we need to see more of that. Delo's doing that all the time now, comes inverted. And you, we just need to kind of see consistency from those fullbacks. You might need another right back to go and help out in the months and years ahead to help Delo because I think you need options. But overall, with those fullback positions out, Man United looking so much healthier than they were 12 months ago. United have got two league games left uh, mm. before the World Cup. How does how is your attitude? Has it altered? Has it changed? Because I know I'm not really there yet, but I was looking at this West Ham game and I was thinking... That's winnable, but I don't know if we'll win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but as a United fan, you're supposed to have that, we're going to win this game. You know, that 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 confidence, you should have it. That's what United are. You know, you should be thinking and going in, expecting to win every single game. Well, maybe not every game. You know, there's teams out there now that are massively richer and, you know, like City, for example. But how has how has things changed? Like the attitude that the players are showing now. Do you have more confidence that they can go to say Aston Villa and Fulham and take six points? What I have more confidence in is that they know who they are more. That's what I have confidence in. So, you know, we said it in preseason a lot, didn't we? We saw some good stuff. And we were like, well, this is this is the framework. These are foundations. So if you carry on on this pathway, it won't always look pretty and it won't always be perfect but you're getting somewhere you can see a destination in the distance and you are slowly but surely traveling towards that light you're getting there that's how I felt for a long time even when Man United had been losing matches or you know after Brentford I think was probably the lowest point we've talked about that to death but now I feel confident that United could go into any of these matches whether it be against a big team a smaller team or whatnot and you know that they know who they are and that's really important. That's what football's about. We talk about City and Liverpool, not maybe not the current incarnation of Liverpool, but in the last few years. They've always had the strongest identities. They know who they are. They know what their teammates do. They know what their manager wants. And do you know what they do? They just go out, they deliver, and that's it. And they go home. Uh, we're starting to get there with Man United. I think we've got more players than not on the football pitch that are enjoying this process. You know, they actually look like they're enjoying defending and and being with each other and supporting each other and, and all the things that you really want to see from your football team. So, as you said, Villa, a team that have, have had a dysfunctional few months, Gerard's out the door, now bringing in a manager that, that can organise and that can kind of stop you doing stuff. You did see in that West Ham game that Moyes did that for a bit. He kind of clogged up the channels, stopped United playing, but he lost the game. And that's all that matters. So ultimately, if you come out of it and you've got the victory, whether you're lucky or, you know, you just scraped it, still three points. This is what Man United needs to get good at now, is going away or being at Old Trafford, 
You don't have to be brilliant every week. You just have to win. Find ways to win. Winning is the absolute best habit in football. We'll be hoping that United can beat Villa twice uh, before the World Cup. They also play Real Sociedad in the Europa League, which we'll talk about later on. Mm -hmm. And obviously they have uh, the two league games as well, Villa and Fulham before the World Cup. But Marcus Rashford, we should probably talk about. Like Diogo Dallo, is out of contract as it stands at the end of the season, but there's an extension option in, in the contract. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking at him now. He just his his interview post match with Sky was quite eye opening as well. Yeah. Talk addressed the, the fact that he had off field issues last season that really made football not the focus. I, I'm paraphrasing here, but I think that's essentially what he said. Uh but a day before he turns twenty five, he scores his one hundredth goal for Man United. And how many headers have we ever seen him score, especially in that fashion as well? He's absolute bullet header. Um, and that's not the first time either. He did it in midweek as well in the Europa League last time out. And he had another headed chance uh, earlier in this game too. Is this a new... Is Marcus Rashford picking up new abilities and new skills? Is the, He's definitely got his confidence back, hasn't he? Like and Ten Hag's work wonders. And he's starting to look like the player now that we hoped he would be yeah it's interesting because I think that post-match interview he did was really kind of honest about himself and you know we talk a lot about mental health in the game now and players being actual human beings and not robots you know we expect them don't we to be repetitively brilliant at everything they do but you know they have good and bad days at the office like every one of us I think overall when you look at Marcus Rashford the fact that he said after the game that he has he wasn't concentrated last year and he wasn't enjoying it I'm being quite honest about those things. <laughs> now, we know the manager that he loved, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, got kicked out of the football club. That would have had something to do with it professionally. Of course, there were other stuff off the pitch as, uh, off the pitch as well. And I think dealing with some of the turmoil at the football club with other players and friends at, his fo- at the football club. And you're dealing with that as a process. But new manager comes in, new ideas. You go out there and be yourself, can't you? And I think that's all we're seeing now is that this is the real Marcus Rashford. You know, the, this is Marcus Rashford that's a Man United fan that loves the football club and wants to do his best for Manchester United. I still think, Scott, he gets incredible in criticism from, from the wider fan base. I really do. Like they, it, it, He's one of these players that can't do anything right for a certain amount of fans. And, then, you know, we talk about Ronaldo on the other side, who, you know, you can see is de- in massive rapid decline in terms of what he does, you know, in score, scoring goals and helping the team. And yet... You know, because it's Ronaldo, everyone loves him. He can do no wrong. And it's like, like, even in the stadium, when Ronaldo's missing those chances, people are going, oh, unlucky Cristiano. Whereas if it's Rashford missing a similar chance, it's, I hate you, Marcus Rashford. You hear it. You actually hear people screaming it. And you're like, calm down. But that's football, isn't it? Football is fickle. So I think that Rashford's going to be a huge part of this project going forward. You know, I think uh, David De Gea said after the game, that he thinks, like, he sees Marcus every day. He says, I think Marcus Rashford can become a world-class footballer. They were his words. I kind of feel that as well. I think if you can do the things that Ten Hag wants you to do, he will definitely add goals to his game. But, you know, we were saying he probably won't start on the left this year. He looks like our best option on the left, doesn't he? By quite a long way at the moment. Jaden Sancho is miles out of the form we'd want him to be in. Um Congratulations to Marcus. I think 100 goals by the age of 24 by one day just about mm-hmm. made it. There's not many players at clubs across the world at 24 years old at the professional, at the highest level, we score 100 goals. And you're not even a striker. You're playing from a wider position. 
uh, it's an incredible achievement and long may it continue. I think back to last season and the criticism, obviously rightly so, that the players were getting for not being up to scratch. And we just yeah. talked about Diogo Dallo and Marcus Rashford and there was calls throughout last season for both of them, among others, to be sold. These players yeah. are finished. But again, it's important to <laughs> really think back. And you think of it in the context of since Sir Alex Ferguson, United have had David Moyes as manager. They've had Louis van Gaal as manager, who has a record. Moyes, yeah, okay, but we know that didn't work out. Louis van Gaal has a record of promoting young players and getting mm -hmm. the best out of them. And then you go to Jose Mourinho, you go to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and then you go to Ralph Rangnick, who had six months with a few uh, caretakers here and there. Rashford, really, given his introduction by Louis van Gaal, has been on his own. Like, he, he, mm. how many how many coaches has he had that are, are going to look at him and say, "I know exactly how to get the best out of you, and you're going to do this, and it's going to result in this." Ten Hag is this is I think this is why a lot of fans wanted Ten Hag because he has that track record of making players perform well above their station or well above what people expect them to. And when you work with players that you know are talented that have been underperforming. You, you, you're inevitably going to, if things go right, you're inevitably going to see an upturn like this. And hopefully Marcus Rashford can keep kicking on. Uh, 100 goals, if he stays, I'm sure he will stay at some point, uh, sign a new contract. Who knows where he can end up on? But it, it, I think it's, everyone's been very quick to judge the players and say that they're not good enough and not good enough. But they've not, look at the managers that they've had. So completely, and and... And the the conditions at the football club and the environment at the football club have been far from perfect, you know. And I think this is the problem: is that again, football fans I think tend not to look at those things because you can't touch and feel them. You know, it's behind the scenes; it's stuff that we can't really measure. But I think when you look at like Luke Shaw as well, you know, there's a correlation between the likes of Shaw and Rashford in terms of their confidence being well coached and then getting production out of them. So you know, I, I, I'm not surprised that you're seeing a tactical coach who builds football clubs and is very much a grassroots type of manager who will really look at infinite details, the smallest tiny things to get the biggest result. I'm not surprised that these players are thriving under him. And the, do you know what? On the flip side, Scott, there will be players that don't make it. There'll be players that, that, that can't deal with that kind of micro scrutiny that a coach like Ten Hag brings and would prefer a bit more of like of a freewheeling Mourinho approach. Like Mourinho always used to say, I coach defenders and yeah. I don't coach anything else. I don't coach attacking midfielders. I don't catch forwards. I let them go and do what they want to do. I let them be free, but I let I coach my defence and we do defensive work. Ten Hag's not not doing defensive work, but he's much more of a holistic coach, much more rounded. Marcus Rashford is showing, I think, that he's got someone to hold his hand and help him there. That he can be a, an enormous part of the jigsaw at Man United and improving this environment. Like if they've got to find a way now of even the next set of players coming in now in January and beyond that this continues, that this kind of vibe is there. Because if you think about it, we've not talked about a lot about Mason Greenwood for for obvious reasons going backwards. But that would have really fractured United's confidence within the squad that someone who's within your inner realm is going through that and is now rightfully, obviously, you know, going forward in terms of being judged for it. That's a that's difficult for morale because these are lads all together in it. And I think that's something that you need to kind of put that to one side. You need to bring in fresh blood and to help the likes of Marcus, to help, help Luke Shaw. 
mentioned Harry Maguire. Same with him. You know, you need to keep these guys now going in a positive pro- uh, trajectory. I think Ten Hag does that well. You know, I think he's really good at keeping the baseline and saying to people, follow this, do as you're told, and let's see if we can win football matches. And so far, was it one goal only conceded in the last six? I think that's, it's one goal in the last six in all competitions. So David De Gea's had five clean sheets in that in that uh, little run of games. I'll tell you what, if you only see one goal in six, Scott, you will invariably win football matches. That's just how it goes, you know, because you'll start, you, even if you win 1-0, you're still getting those three points. So that's really pleasing to see. I think those kind of stats kind of jump off the page at me because that's what we're wanting to see from this Man United side. Congrats to Marcus Rashford, 100 up. And who knows what he could end up on by the end of his career if he stays at the club for the duration of it. But one other player that we... Uh, we're expecting to get more out of is Anthony Martial. Obviously has been injured for the duration of the season so far, has played 45 minutes, I think, against Liverpool, 28 minutes against Everton or mm. something like that, and played pre-season and looked like he was going to take on Eric Ten Hag's instructions uh, and become a better player because of it. Another player has been written off massively is now, I think he's about 26, 25, 26. So the time has come, and the time might come because he's back in training, but <laughs> are we are we thinking that he might be back in training and maybe can retain his place in the team, or is he going to get injured again? It's good news, though, regardless, isn't it? It's good news, and, you know, the viability of this Man United team in the weeks and months ahead, and certainly this season, is how do they score goals? What does the number nine do in this team? Again, no point talking about Cristiano to a blue in the face. We know what he does do. We know what he doesn't do. But anti-martial really is certainly the, the, the short-term medicine that you need to take. You know, you need to get him fit. You need him in the team. He needs to be your number nine. Not just because of what he can do, but I think, again, he's a player that makes other players better. Bruno Fernandes is one I'm certainly thinking about more than anyone. I think when Bruno links up with Martial, Bruno looks like a completely different entity. When Bruno links up with Ronaldo... Bruno looks like little boy lost, loses the ball every 10 minutes. It's a nightmare. Um, but I think with Martial, yep, he's he's supposedly fit again. United have been cautious this time round. They've tried to make sure they don't get him back in the first team too quickly. I think he'll be involved uh, in the Europa League because it's obviously a huge match. Maybe off the bench, not quite sure whether he is ready to start. But you've got to find a way now of keeping him fit in the rotation. And and I think more than anything, it will just be a case of rotating those pieces at number nine this year, Martial, Rashford and Ronaldo, and just coping until you can find the striker that you really want to take your club for, your club forward. But I think with Anthony Martial, really good in pre-season and the games that we have seen, incredible strike rate as well when you look at his work, you know, like when he's on the pitch, he scores goals, he helps the team win. If you can keep him fit, that will go a long way to making sure that Man United win football matches. You mentioned there, Rob, the Europa League. Uh, it's a big game. We, we usually brush over uh, Europa League matches mm. given United have played Sheriff and Ammonia in there, the, the other team yeah. in the group that United have played. Uh, this one's a big game, though, because obviously I'm sure you know the context if you're listening or watching. United need to win this game by two goals to top the group. Uh, and it's away in San Sebastian against Real Sociedad. Good team. Uh, they won at Old Trafford in the reverse, thanks to... Oh, it was that penalty, wasn't it? That Lisandro mm-hmm. Martinez uh, 
handball, which was just a, an absolute joke. But United weren't really up and running at that point. Yeah. That was the first game in the group. United need to go and win this game by two goals in order to avoid a Champions League dropout in the round of 32 of the Europa League. If they win, and they win by that margin, they will go. They will bypass that round and go into the last 16. So it's, it's quite an important game, isn't it? Not only because of topping the group and what it means, but to save your legs. Because <laughs> af- after the World Cup, it's going to be absolutely... Like people are looking at this point now and talking about injuries and all this stuff. This is going to continue post World Cup. This is this is going to be games every three days for the rest of the season. That's so right, yeah. United need to avoid that best they can. And let, they could be playing Barcelona. They could be playing Juventus. They could be playing Tottenham. They could be. I don't know. The schedule is horrific. It really is, and it's almost like because of this strange World Cup that football has said, "Well, we don't really care about domestic football. Just squeeze it all in and get on with it." But of course, then you've got your European matches to play on top of it. So, yeah, it's an important game in the sense that you would rather win the group, wouldn't you, and progress that way. It gives you, buys you an extra bit of time, means you're not playing an extra game, and and you could really do with that. On the flip side, Scott. So you know we say about not being interested in Europa League. I like it when Europa League gets interesting. Yeah. So I'm quite mm-hmm. interested in this game. Final game. You're going away. It's kind of it's a do and die, but you're definitely not going to die. You can, you can go there, and even if you have a bad performance, lose the game, draw the game, whatever, you're through. You're going to go through to this playoff system. And if you're in the playoffs, I'm up for a two-legged uh, trip to Barcelona, you know, or, or Juventus or whoever. It's going to be a big game. It'll be exciting. A little bit maybe, I don't know, kind of perverse, looking at it like that in football terms. But I'm always saying with European games, you want, you want the best. I want to see United play good teams in Europa League or, you know, that's why we want to be in the Champions League, isn't it? So I'm not too stressed about this upcoming game. I think United can go there, do a job. I think United can win by two or three goals. I really do think they're they're in that kind of form. Goal scoring is an issue, but this is the kind of game where Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo might put his, his Europa hat on and go, well, in Europe, I'm the Don, I can do this. You might just get two or three chances, bury them all, and we're talking about him again in positive terms. But I don't think it's the end of the world. If you if you don't get through here and you're going to this playoff system, it won't be great. But I think when the games come around, for as fans, we'll be like, yeah, a trip to the new camp. We're up for that. I think Man United could beat Barcelona over two legs. I think they could beat Juventus over two legs. I really do. I think they're a better team at the moment. So uh, I'm not as worried as, say, if it was the start of the season, if Brentford, Man United were going to the new camp, then we might have been like, right, this is not particularly desirable. Um but, let, you know, Euro- European football should be interesting and should be entertaining. So uh, one way or the other, we're going to get that. That is only some of the teams, by the way. We talk Barcelona, Juventus. Juventus might not even go through, you know. Yeah, got, there's a ton Juventus of them, Juventus have got there? PSG. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It could it could be Juventus. It could be Maccabi Haifa, for example. It could be that they play Benfica at home. It could be someone like Sevilla. It hmm. could be Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, Salzburg, yeah, Juventus, uh, all of these different teams. Barcelona is the one that really sticks out. But um, yeah, I think I, I kind of agree with you there, Rob. I think it is definitely winnable. It's a good test of where United are at the moment as well. Like, it's a little bit of pressure, isn't it? A little bit of pressure. And it's yeah. interesting to see how they would cope with it. And if they don't, it's not the end of the world for now. And do you remember like the games against PSG in the Champions League? And that was a real litmus test for the Solskjaer project. It was like, can you go to these places 
and cope, first of all, but can you even get a victory? And they proved that they could. Do you know what I mean? They proved that they could look at the in the faces of the Neymars and the Mbappes in this kind of elite team and beat them. I, I think United could go to the new camp and win the Frankie de Jong derby. I think they could do that, you know, the, the, the de Jong Classico. So that could happen. And then it kind of puts some more legitimacy, doesn't it, on the United project? Kind of say to yourself, well, you know, you went there, you did it the hard way. But hey, this club has always done it the hard way. It's classically done it that way, even back into the Fergie years. So not overly worried about it. And kind of looking forward to the game on Thursday now. I kind of think it's going to be quite interesting. And I just want to see Man United go out there and play their best football. United have played Real Sociedad in the in the Europa League in recent years. I think it was in 2021. I'm looking at yeah. the result now. They they beat them 4-0, but it was in Turin. That was the away leg, but it was in Turin. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they have previous. I know they lost the recent match, but a lot of these players have played this team before. And you never know, do you? Uh, so we will wait and see what happens on Thursday night. Hopefully United managed to take all three points and avoid that... Uh, you know, last that round of thirty-two, just just so they can save their legs for the the tasks that are upcoming in the Premier League and hopefully the cup competitions as well. That's the benefit, isn't it? Like I think if this was a a real do or die, like you know, if you lost this game or drew this game, you're out the competition. Then there's there's definitely some more anxiety and nerves around it. But you're not. You're through to this silly playoff system that that the UEFA want to do this year but it will make it more interesting and it will mean that you you might get a, a really interesting away day uh in this competition but like you said you want to save your legs this world cup really is going to be brutal on the players yeah rob uh we're going to keep it short and sweet today we're half an hour in uh, any final thoughts for you because uh obviously we'll do another show before united play villa on sunday but feeling all right at the moment yeah, look, I think with Manchester United matters, it's a shame that this World Cup's coming up. It really is, because it feels like United are in a really good place. What we are going to see clubs, and I think United are doing this, is that they're all going to get some warm weather training. So I believe that United have arranged a game in Cadiz. I think that went yesterday, that yeah. was announced. Uh, so you're going to see in December that the players that don't go to the World Cup, there's not going to be many of them. Most of them are going in some capacity or the others, but maybe the Jaden Sanchos of this world will continue training with the coach. And that nothing will stop away from the behind the scenes. Like I know we all think, especially as journalists, we're thinking about the World Cup now and all the stuff that goes with the World Cup international football. But in the background, club football will be continuing. They will be training. And I think that's a good thing because I think it gives Ten Hag a little bit more time to work with those players that, that maybe are not performing uh, and to be able to keep them fresh and get them ready for the second half of the season. Yes, indeed. I was just thinking, hopefully, Anthony Martial can... I saw today that there were suggestions he was hoping he could late on force his way into the French squad. I, I think that's... Is he in the provisionals, though? I don't know. I like, don't know. I, I haven't yeah, seen. But he is really popular in, in, in the international scene. They, they realise what he can offer as a player who can play left and central. And it wouldn't... Look, if he gets back in the team Thursday, scores a goal, well, it doesn't surprise me if he does make that World Cup squad. But to tell you the truth, personally, again, I'd prefer that he doesn't go to the World Cup because I think he could do with that training under Ten Hag and getting fitter and they can work on the faculties around his body um, rather than him going to a World Cup, sitting on the bench, coming off 10 minutes, stubbing his toe in and being out for six weeks. So, you know, I'd rather actually see him ready for Manchester United when we get back after Christmas. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening today, everyone. This has been the Promised Land podcast. Uh, a shorter episode today as I have to run off uh, quite soon. 
But yes, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all the different audio platforms. And watch us on YouTube as well twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, like, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment for us as well. And follow us on Twitter and get in touch with us on there as well. At underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B. And at Promise Land MU for the show. This has been The Promised Land. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll catch you very soon.